You know what they say, only two things are sure in this world, death and taxes. Well, taxes are front and center in Joe Biden's electoral ticket and investors are taking notice. Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. And by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of October 5th, and that puts us about four weeks away from the U.S. elections. Yes, and today we're going to tackle one of those election-related issues that is top of mind for investors and clients, and that's taxes. Well, before we get to our very special guest on this topic, I want to give a few reminders of how we consider the elections as a whole. Remember, market volatility has historically ticked up in the weeks leading up to an election, but it also tends to subside somewhat after the result is known. If you think in terms of months or even years, it's real policy change rather than the short-term political dynamics that we're experiencing that impact an asset class or a sector and determine relative performance. Taxes are one of those really potentially important policy changes, which is why we address them holistically today. Yeah. And that said, I think it's also really important to note that taxes are, are truly a potential policy change. What I mean by that is that, you know, we could see tax increases as more likely under a democratic sweep scenario than in any other potential electoral scenario. But even if that result's achieved, there's always a chance that something else could get in the way or there could be another priority. So in other words, there's a long way to go before we see tax policy change as real policy change. That's a very, very good point. But without further ado, let's dive into it. Yes. Joining us to help tackle this topic of taxes is our very own New York Life Investments Chief Economist and Multi-Asset Portfolio Manager, Paul Christensen. Paul, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be here, Rob. Paul, you and I have now covered two elections and two big tax changes together. In 2017, It was the TCJA, and now this year, it's a possible Dem sweep and a Biden tax agenda. Your research has been crucial to understanding both policy agendas, but now what's at stake under this new one? Well, there's no no question uh, the Biden campaign has listed a range of tax proposals, which actually tally up to a total of almost $4 trillion over the next 10 years in potential tax hikes. But at the same time, uh, they have a long list of spending initiatives as well uh, that may even reach the, reach $7 trillion. So net-net, if you look at it like that, we're actually talking about net stimulus uh, of more than $3 trillion. That sounds like an enormous amount of money. Uh, it is also changeable. It's, it's 1 to 1 and 1.5% of GDP. Um, this long list of proposals, of course, might uh, be something we should look at a little bit like a grain, with a grain of salt. Uh, it may only pass partially, but sure, a lot of things could happen. Sure. That's all really great points. And acknowledging that we don't really know enough to say which proposals would be most likely to pass 
what's on the table right now? Let's let's start with corporate taxes. What are, what are all the potential changes? Well, the most important changes in the corporate tax system that, that are on the docket here is, is there was a talk about a hike in the corporate tax rate from 21% currently to 28%. There's also talk about doubling uh, the tax on offshore income from patents and trademarks. And there's talk about a minimum book tax, which would force companies to pay at least 15% no matter what. Uh, even if they have big deductions that could otherwise lead them to avoid taxation. That's a good list. And I want to get into some of those details. But first, I think the point is that this is a meaningful impact to corporate taxes. They could they could move significantly higher than, than they were under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So with that upward move, even if no change was made to the tax law under the administration, what kind of impact would this be? Well, it's, it's important to remember there are sunset provisions in the most recent tax reform legislation uh, as well. For instance, bonus depreciation, which is currently active, is actually slated to sunset in 2026. So even in the absence of any new tax legislation, corporate effective tax rates would be likely to, to ratchet up at least a little bit over the next several years. Mm, that's a good point. So, you know, some of these tax policy changes would roll off anyway, even without a, a, a whole new agenda. What of the changes that we've talked about so far, do you think would matter most for companies that investors uh, invest in? Well, the top line uh, hike to 28% potentially in the corporate tax rate is the most impactful change here. And that's something that on a standalone basis could uh, lead to a hit in the high single digits uh, on S&P 500 after tax earnings. The other proposals, of course, add some, uh, but those are small impacts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if we saw the changes implemented in full, how would that impact an investor's portfolio? Well, there's no question hiking the corporate tax rate will disproportionately affect the companies that today uh, have have the lowest effective tax rates. And that puts an emphasis and a spotlight on consumer discretionary companies, technology companies, healthcare companies. It would also have uh, impacts on companies with significant offshore activities because there's a doubling of a tax on, on income from, from some of those things. And that puts a spotlight again on technology pharmaceuticals. It's also important to remember that this discussion about taxes and how that affects economy. It can never be viewed on a standalone basis. It's not going to happen in a vacuum. And also it's something that an active manager tuned into what's going on is going to be able to, to find some opportunities here. Yeah, we've talked about that before on this program, that there are definitely some opportunities. There are always opportunities when you have a change in, in a policy uh, agenda. I want to get a little bit into the weeds here. And at the risk of getting a little wonky, I want to talk about that minimum tax proposal. What is a minimum tax proposal? And what companies would this affect the most? The bottom line is a minimum book tax is a tax that puts a limit on a company's ability to use large deductions to avoid taxations altogether. There's simply, there's simply just a minimum, a floor level you're going to have to pay no matter what. And what that means is, in particular, companies that are going through periods of rapid investments in equipment and facilities uh, and research and development, they have large deductions from those, uh, but they would, they would potentially face higher taxes, especially if deductions are so large that they, they have reduced the tax rate to below the 15%. It also however, would also affect companies that are using prior losses to, to deduct from, from the current tax bill if they're returning from, from a losing situation. That's something that could be relevant in 
next year, given given the situation this year. And that a new proposal here, a minimum book tax of 15%, would mean that they would have to pay at least 15% immediately once profitability returns. They're not going to be able to use prior losses to just completely avoid taxation. And that, of course, again, all these things, the, the biggest uh, impact sector-wise, it points to technology companies probably being, being hit the hardest. But there could also be companies losing money this year that may face a higher tax bill as a result of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think taken together, we see that there's a lot of potential changes on the table when it comes to corporate tax policy and so a lot of opportunities. Moving on to individual taxes, what, what are those changes that are on the table? Tax rates for the highest earning households are uh, slated to go back to the 39.6% we had before the 2017 tax reform. Um, there's also proposals on applying the payroll tax to incomes above $400,000 a year, which means that people in that category are going to have to contribute more to Social Security and Medicare. But the tax change that's probably going to get the most headlines as we roll closer to the election is that capital gains and dividends are going to be taxed at a higher rate for, for the highest incomes. It will only affect directly households that make more than a million dollars a year, so it's only the top 0.3%. Uh, but it is potentially a very significant hike in the tax rate uh, on on those uh, those households, and also capital gains taxes on inherited assets uh, are slated to drop. So that that's going to generate some headlines. Yes, I I can see the headline risk now. Traditionally, there's a lot of noise when when individual taxes are on the table. Uh, but how much do those really matter, and which of those changes do you think would matter the most? We do think uh, the capital gains tax hike is a significant one, even though it only affects a relatively small number of households. We know high net worth households hold large amounts of stocks, and it could trigger uh, some preemptive selling ahead of New Year here um, in order to lock in capital gains, and that could generate some potential volatility here. Historically, if we look at what is the impact of, of tax changes, capital gains, taxation, um, on markets, we studied data going all the way way back, uh, full century. And there's no question, there are examples of, of significant tax hikes having had uh, some significant negative impacts on markets, but uh, there are also many examples of years where we've seen rising capital gains taxes and, and markets still, still performed quite well. The, the correlation is actually relatively weak, but it's definitely something to watch. We, we do see this is, uh, this is likely to generate a lot of headlines. But again, it's only directly affecting households that are making more than a million dollars a year. Okay, okay. So to sum that up a little bit, I think I think you had two interesting points there. The first is that it could have an impact on individual families, but it's it's probably not as much of an impact on the market as headlines will suggest, and more of an impact just given personal circumstances. And so where individual taxes are concerned, I think it's best that investors are working with their financial professional to determine whether those changes will actually impact their investment goals. But before we move forward, just to hone back in on the market questions, a lot of clients have been asking us if they should sell some of their portfolio ahead of these tax changes. What would you say to that? I think it's important to point out that any change in the tax code is not going to happen in a vacuum. If it happens, it would happen alongside a range of other policy shifts. For instance, 
increased public investments, which actually would be supportive for the economy. So it's not just viewing tax hikes in isolation. Obviously, a tax hike in isolation would be a headwind for markets and, and the economy. And if you look at it historically, again, over the last century, the correlation between changes in the tax code and what happens in the stock market is actually not that tight. We have many examples of periods of, of rising taxes that actually coincided with very decent equity returns. We also have periods of cuts in taxes that actually coincided with bad equity markets. One particularly interesting example of this is if you look at the Reagan years and you compare that to the FDR years, those are two presidencies where we know one of those presidents cut taxes, the other president raised taxes. But if you look at how the stock market did during those presidencies, in both cases, actually showed fairly decent returns. So it just serves to highlight there are many other factors at play here. That sounds like a great time to start our portfolio pause, a section in the program where we share an investment idea. So, Paul, you were just mentioning that elections are hard to predict and markets are hard to time. What can investors do if they're worried about potential tax changes? Well, there's no question in an environment where there is a potential for a whole range of policy changes. That's something that can create both winners uh, and losers. And that just highlights the importance of having skilled active managers who can look at, at these things at the company level uh, and pick those companies that are likely to fare more favorably in, 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 this, in this changing environment. What could happen, for instance, would be companies that have seen very significant stock price gains uh, in recent years and to the extent that high net worth investors are invested there might be triggered into locking in some of those capital gains that could be some selling that could lead to some volatility, which could actually create opportunities. And again, so being tuned in and, and being active from a portfolio manager's perspective is going to open some opportunities here. But another thing that's also important to mention is that, again, this will not, if it happens, happen in a vacuum. And it's likely to happen alongside a range of other policy changes, which might favor renewable energy, it might favor infrastructure, and it might favor companies that are focused on ESG. So there's a whole range of policy changes that are possible here. I love that. I love those points. And I, I really like the focus on opportunities because I think amid all of the many potential changes, it can be stressful for investors. And so again, staying focused on not only those opportunities, but the levers of control that we have as investors and the ways that, that we can leverage the tools at our disposal, including active management, is a really helpful point, a way to stay focused on investor goals. I'd like to add just one other tax-related idea that I think is often missed in the narrative about taxes, and that has to do with state and local taxes. Because no matter what happens at the federal level, many state and local governments have had a difficult time this year when you think about all the costs related to COVID and healthcare and lower tax receipts and more unemployment benefits uh, having to be spent out there. That means that state and local taxes could go up even if federal taxes don't. And so the ideas that Paul is giving around good active managers, especially in potentially tax advantageous asset classes like municipal bonds, are working. And, and that's something that we think could be a real opportunity alongside this conversation around federal taxes. I couldn't have said any of this better myself. Y'all just crushed that portfolio pause. Paul, this has been... Very informative, very fun to get your view on taxes. Uh, and we're just so thankful that you joined us today. Thanks, Rob. It was great to be here. Coming up next, 
a couple of days ago, I might have said that it would be a quiet week, but there's plenty of uh, things to now look for this week with President Trump and the First Lady testing positive for COVID. It's possible that that increases the likelihood of a fiscal stimulus package being passed this week. But frankly, with all the political comings and goings of the past several weeks, we're just not sure. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that, which would be um, very supportive for what is otherwise a slowing economic story here in the U.S. Yeah. And we may see that slowing economic story come out in uh, guidance from corporate corporations as they announce their, their quarterly profits. So we'll be watching that closely. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. Yes, if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. Yes, you can send us your questions, contact us on social media, LinkedIn, and you can also follow our views at nylinvestments.com forward slash blog. And in the meantime, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. We look forward to hearing from you. podcast is produced by Milo Benamonts, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.